record myself out of sheer vanity. Um, so thanks for coming. I just, uh, last week, I guess, so you guys could get previously on, uh, on this year, we were talking about Eretz Yisrael as a living, breathing entity, that Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel itself, uh, expands. It's called Eretz Hatzvi because it speaks to Eretz Yisrael's elastic quality, that the physical qualities of Eretz Yisrael expand uh, in relation to the spiritual qualities of those who dwell tzvi? within. Tzvi, Tzvi, deer, the land of the right. deer. So I was just noticing, and it's, uh, so I dried on about that for about an hour, and tried to make sense. And then I was taking a look at uh, some of my books recently, and I have this wonderful sefer called Mishnah Schaver, which is a collection of uh, different uh, statements made by a famous student. I think he was Peshlishi, meaning he heard a generation after from the Vilna Gon, uh, the great Kabbalist of Yitzchak Isaac Chaver. It's not on your sheets, but I just noticed. And um, basically, every single thing that I said last week, that entire idea is contained in here. He basically says like this. He says that... Um, well, listen, I'll, I'll read it inside. He says, Ikar mitzias, Ikar mitzias inyan olam ham nivdal hazehu ha-kidosha. He says, the main reality where we could find a world that's separate from the rest of the world, a, a land apart. So the main place that we could find that is in the land, the Holy Land, Eretz HaKedosha. Asher ein inyana leteva klal. The land of Israel does not have, this is stronger than the Maharal, than Rabbi Judah Lowy that we learned about last week. The Maharal said it has a side that's tivi, a side that's natural, and a side that's bilti tivi, a side that's unnatural. So Ritzchak Zechaver, for his part, says, no, ein inyana leteva klal. There's nothing natural about the land of Israel. Uprat b'makom beis hamikdash, especially in the place of the temple. Shisham ma'on ashchina, that is the, the place of the dwelling of the divine presence. And Yushalayim, we say that there's Yushalayim Shalmala, there's a celestial Jerusalem, and there's Yushalayim Shalmata, an earthly terrestrial Jerusalem. So he says, just like we know about the Beit HaMikdash, we mentioned last week, the Beit HaMikdash used to have 10 special miracles that would happen every day. We talked about the smoke would go straight up to Shamayim, and even, uh, even the strongest winds would not be able to move it out of place. So we notice that it's directly opposite God's throne in the, in the heavens. Beit HaMikdash Shomala and the celestial temple, the third temple that is going to, according to some, descend or according to others that we'll have to build ourselves. Which is why Chazal tell us that if you were to go to Eretz Yisrael and keep on tunneling through and through and through until you get to the, the, the beating heart of the land of Israel, which is the Mikdash, the temple. Within the Mikdash, there's the beating heart of the Mikdash, the beating heart of the temple, which is the Kodesh HaKadosh, the Sancta Sanctorum. And within that place, there is the Aron. That's where the Holy Ark stands with the Luchos and Shivrei Luchos, with the tablets and broken tablets. So if you go into there, Chazal tells us something interesting. It's Eno Menamakum Klau. Right? The, the Aron, even though the Aron did have defined, um, it had defined volume and had defined size, it, it didn't really fit into the place that it was in the Kodesh HaKedashim. The Aron seems to, like we said, Eretz Yisrael in general, like the Eretz HaTzvi expands and, and, and contracts when its children are honored or when its children are exiled. So if you go to the beating heart of Eretz Yisrael, you'll find that in the words of Chazal explicitly that the Aron that is deep, deep, deep in the center of everything, that it actually doesn't take up any place at all. That it's actually not of this world. Time and space, I used these like strange languages last year, but that's really what's going on, are warped. They don't really apply. The, the, the rules of physicality don't apply when Eretz Yisrael is functioning properly. Yitzchak Eisel continues and he says, 
When you get to the land of Israel, you realize this isn't a normal place. When you get to Jerusalem, you realize Yerushalayim is for sure not a normal place. Even nowadays, it's nothing normal about Yerushalayim. It's amazing. And then when you get to the temple, we should be Zoha. When you reach the temple, so you realize the temple is far more unusual, far more unnatural in the good sense. And when you get to the middle of it, when you get to the, to the, to the inner core of it, it's like a vortex. It does nothing, applies, the rules don't apply more. And when you find that place, you realize that this is actually within this small Kodesh HaKadosh, not a large place at all, right? Smaller than this room that we inhabit right now. So in that place, we find that that is actually the, the center of the entire universe. In fact, uh, we know that there's a stone that exists in that place called the Evin HaShesia and Chazal tell us that's the stone the foundation stone of the world Shemisham Hushta Sa'olam from this place all of the world evolved or, or was cre- devolved rather was created from that place that's the actual the pinnacle of the entire world the entire universe so, I, I, so basically he's basically saying over here that the same idea that we said this expansion and contraction land of Israel that it has this living breathing unnatural quality to it that's directly in a symbiotic relationship with its people and when they're conducting themselves with Torah and mitzvahs and kedusha, so that's actually to be found uh, directly in the statements of Chazal regarding the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Sancta Sanctorum. So I want to shift today um, a little bit, uh, I guess, a little bit more grounded, focus on some texts that talk about the praise that Chazal, that our great rabbis had for in praise of the land of Israel. The way that they talked about it, these people of rarefied spiritual qualities, people that found themselves at the heights of spirituality, what they had to say about artziut, what they had to say about landedness and, and dirt and stones, to the point that we find in the first source, the Gemara in Ksubo, Right, so it's crossing over from both sides. Source number one tells us Rabbi Abba Menashe Kipe de Akko. Rabbi Abba, when he would arrive at Akko at that time, was a major port city. When he would arrive at Akko, hi. When he would arrive at Akko, he would kiss the stones of the ground of Akko. Rabbi Hanina would go ahead and he would fix Rabbi Hanina would go ahead and he would fix the, the roads. He would do construction work. If you notice there was a pothole, for example, so this great Amora, this holy Amora would go ahead and fix it himself. Right? Such was the such was their desire to participate and to, to find themselves uh, to find themselves enmeshed in the in the in the earthiness of the land of Israel. Rav Ami Rabbi Asi Rav Ami and Rav Asi and two other great Amoraim, when they would be learning ostensibly outside or even lounging around outside, if you can imagine Amoraim doing such a thing, when they would be outside, so they'd always if it was too sunny they'd move to the shade, and if it was too shady they'd move to the sun. So you say, what's the big deal? Rashi on the place tells us that they would do so consciously, even if they would, could be in the sun, they would do it in a conscious effort to never say tsarli hamakum. They would never, they never wanted to, to have coming out of their mouths, there's something improper here. I, I don't feel comfortable here. They always did their utmost to feel as comfortable as possible in the land of Israel to prevent themselves from ever, from ever uttering uh, in uncomfortability in the land of Israel. So they would be go from the sun to the shade, from the shade to the sun. And Rukhia Bagamda, so he would roll around in the Afar, in the dust 
of the land of Israel. Now, I, I rem, I'm reminded of, uh, of a statement of Chazal in Pirkei Avos, which enjoins us to, to find Tamide Chachamim, to find Sadiqim, to find righteous individuals, and to go ahead and to, and to roll around in the dust of their feet, the closeness to Kedusha, that, that a person feels a desire, they want to be enveloped in such a thing. So the same, the same notion that we find in finding and drawing oneself closer, even in a... Uh, even in what might be called a humiliating uh, fashion. So the way that we see that applies to the land of Israel as well. And then the Gemara finishes by quoting a Pasuk from Tilim. Tilim it says, Kiratsu avadechas avaneha ve'esafra yichonanu. So your, your, your servants, we tell God, David HaMelech expresses our desire, expresses this, uh, our desire to, to roll in the dust of the land of Israel, to kiss its stones, our desire to do so because we desired Avaneha, the, the Ratsu, we desired the stones of the land of Israel, this Afri Hananu, and we, and we had a special place of chain, a special place of, of, uh, of privilege for even the dust of the land of Israel. More on the dust and the dirt of the land of Israel in a moment. But Tosvot, for their part, have a, um, have a question to ask on this. So they say, Rabbi Abba, would go ahead and when he would arrive at the port city of Akko, he would kiss the stones on the ground. He would kiss it. And you look, uh, if you ever want to give yourself like a really good cry, I uh, have a minhag to watch Nefesh Ben Nefesh videos. And if you watch Nefesh, one of the earlier ones that has this beautiful song from, uh, I think it was like Moshav Band or something. It's like, that's the strongest one for me. And like the point that you lose it, the point that you lose, it's like three flights landing. The point that you see families kissing the ground, the tarmac of, 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 of Ben-Gurion Airport, even the tarmac is Kaddish. Even the tarmac contains holiness. Like we quoted the Chassam Sofer. This isn't some like metaphorical speech. This isn't some like poetic license. It's literally holy, right? It's, actually, it's actual holiness. Same way we kiss the Sefer Torah, so we kiss the stones of Akko. Same way we kiss the hands of Tamid Chachamim. The same way we kiss uh, those that we love, so we kiss the ground of Akko. We express, right, Danash Gadah, we express our, our desire to be as close as possible. I once heard from Rabbi Eitan Feiner, um, Rebbe of mine that had a great influence on me. So Rabbi Eitan Feiner says, I forgot, uh, he was, said this in, in Shiurim HaNefesh HaChaim that he taught us. He said that, uh, what's in a kiss? He said, a kiss, if you, uh, almost symbolically, it's the part of the body where the inside is turned outward. Right? So that has to do a lot with speech. That has to do a lot with how we talk because we're revealing, right? That which is happening within, we express that to the world. But in kiss, an expression of love. So the kiss, and we, had, uh, we have a number of kisses in the last, uh, last couple of weeks, Parshios. We see Yaakov kissing Rachel. We see Esav kissing Yaakov, right? So we have all these kisses that are expressed over here. Kiss is this inside part of the body, the panemius, the interior, Kisses the exterior of something else. So our inner, to express our innermost desire to, to connect to the land of Israel, so it goes so far as to kiss a tarmac. So, so these, uh, these individuals landing on an El Al flight are, are basically like Rav Abba, right? Thousands of years later. So I go, like Tilmad, right? What exactly that means for us. And that's why it's such a profound moment. They're expressing that deep love. And they're expressing that Kirotsu avadeches avaneves afra yichonanu. That's the idea over here. So Tosfus asked the following question. Source number two. Mashma demi eretz Yisraelhu. If Rav Abba would go so far as to kiss the stones of Akko, it sounds like the stones of Akko are the land of Israel. It sounds like that's Israel proper. And we see that also in the end of Parak Mishachso, Kardaikis, Meseches Kitten. Vitema. But we have a question. In the first Parak of Meseches Kitten, Tanan Akko Ki Eretz Yisrael, Legitten, Mashma Dehavi Mi We say, 
Akko is ki-eretz Yisrael. It's like Eretz Yisrael, and really only for the, for the laws of Gittin as they apply. So the question is, Sounds like Rabbi Abba is very excited to kiss the stones of outside the land of Israel. What gives? Right? Why, would you, right? Why would you be so ecstatic as if to go ahead and to kiss the stones of, of outside the land of Israel? So you have to turn to the Talmud Adaretz Yisrael, the, the, the book of Talmud that was written in the land of Israel. Jerusalem Talmud says, Actually, Akko is something that lies in the Shulayim. It's the borderlands. Part of it is in Eretz Yisrael and part of it is not in Eretz Yisrael. So I was reading this Tosvos and I said to myself, ah, now we understand. Why does it have to say, of course people kiss the stones of, uh, of Yerushalayim. Of course people kiss the stones of the Galil. Of course they, they found the same, the same level of affection for those physical parts of Eretz Yisrael. Why Akko? So it says sometimes your affection for a place can only be recognized in relief to the places that you don't have affection for. What I mean is the following. Why do these people kiss the ground when they get off the plane? Because you realize I'm home. You realize I'm here. I'm finally, right? I've returned myself to the land of Israel. I return myself to, to, to Hashem's chukim, to Hashem's Torah, as manifested with the land, with the physical qualities of Eretz Yisrael. That can be recognized. If I'm ensconced within Eretz Yisrael, it completely surrounds me. You almost take it for granted. I'm ensconced within Kedush. I'm completely enveloped within it. But, but if I'm coming from a place that rests on the border, if I'm coming from a place that I could still taste the qualities of Chutzlaretz, that I could still taste the qualities of that which happens outside the land of Israel and its relative lack of Kedusha. So when I come to that place, this border place, that's when that feeling wells up within me. That's when I get down from the, from the plane, from the jet, I don't know, manufactured, I guess, in Seattle or whatever, in some, right? When I come down from the, from the stairs of that jet and I kiss, that's when I realize, ah, now I've crossed over. That's, that's when the moment, the contrast itself, is I think what was me'orer, what aroused Rabbi Abba to do something so unusual as to kiss the ground and for the Gemara to report it here as well. If you take a look, the Gemara's exubus over here are fascinating. Uh, it's a retzef. It's a number of pages in the Gemara exubus. Famous sugya of the Shalosh Shavuos is there. Uh, that's an important, uh, an important Talmudic paracope that deals with uh, the notion of religious anti-Zionism that we're not allowed to go up to Eretz Yisrael nowadays until the that, uh, until messianic times, that those that do go out to Eretz Yisrael are in violation of two asin, right? In violation of two uh, two commandments from from God as a well, really different Kabbalah as well in Shirashirim, right? That Tishbat Yischem Benosu Shalayim Teirus Ava Techpats that we're not allowed to go until the Ava until the divine love shows us that the Messiah has come. So a few pages later, you have a number of Talmudic, a number of Amoraic statements which extol the wonders of the land. Of Israel. And we might have a chance, hopefully, to talk about at the end. Uh, all the Amorim go and talk about the size of the fruit. And they, they talk about, for example, of wonderful Sugyot. They have a conversation, I forgot which Amor it is, has a conversation with a former inhabitant of the land, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, the idol- idolatrous nations that have been kicked down. He says, You know, when we harvest the fruit from the trees, we get 100 kabin. So, the, uh, so, the, so this uh, Kenani says to him, He says, That's nothing. That's, you know, we got that also. And then he says, no, actually, it was only from one section of the tree that we got that from. Talking about this expansive qualities of the land of Israel, that it opens up its arms uh, as if to go ahead and to, uh, to accept its children. Take a look at this Pasuk, for example. Psalms, uh, Psalms 
that your children desired your stones and its afra, its dirt, had a special place of privilege and, and, and joy and love for them. So the Pasuk that opens up this Mizmar Tehillim, this is not any Mizmar Tehillim. This Mizmar Tehillim features itself uh, in many tefillot about uh, the land of Israel as well. I've mentioned so many times the YouTube video which talks about the prayers, which talks about uh, the final prayers of uh, Benos Yisrael in the main synagogue in Neveda Kalim in Gush Katif before, before the expulsion of the Jews from Gush Katif. So if you watch the video, you'll see a few words that are mentioned over and over again in song. Altaster panecha mimani biyom tsarli. Right? We say, God, do not hide your face from us on that day. That the hiddenness of God is found in Galus, that when we are in Eretz Yisrael, when we are, at, when we are uh, not in places of exile, so, so God's presence is all the more obscured. In the land of Israel, uh, even nowadays, before, before the Messiah has arrived, God's presence is more closely observed. God's presence is more closely realized in the land of Israel. And when we are kicked out of places in the land of Israel, I mean, how fitting a song, unfortunately, when we're kicked out of places, even from a small part of the land of Israel, from, from Ritzuat Katif, from, from, from Gush Katif, even, so the tefillah that's Altaster Panachim, and why, God, why are you hiding your face from us? So we say, God, please turn your ears to us. Answer us quickly when we cry out to you. And the Pasuk right before Kiratsu Avadecha Savaneha is Ata Takum Tirachim Tzion Kies Akiva Moed. Right? So we talk about, it's almost as if David Amelch is expressing the sense of Jewish people that we should love the land of Israel even when we're off of it. Right? The sense of Jewish people that this is such a, this is such a place of primacy in our religious expression. So that itself is going to be what arouses God, even if we're undeserving. God, just have mercy on Zion, have mercy on us. Prisoners of Zion and return us to the land of Israel. I uh, started a book this week. I hope this is okay to say this. Started, uh, I love Yossi Klein Alevi. So his most recent book is Letters uh, to My Palestinian Neighbor. I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic book. And he talks about, he's trying to explain why is it why is it that a nation that's been in exile for so long that we would return, that we're not interlopers, God forbid, that this is the, the, you know, the, the word indigenous, whatever, right? This is our place. He says, you know, I understood this. He talks about his, what, what, what welled up within him in the first chapter. He talks about what welled up within him to cause him to make Aliyah. And he says, I never understood why it was that I would be in Brooklyn and we would be davening. And every prayer would be really referring to a, a distant place. Right, we'd be talking about, you know, the same talumata livracha, right? And we'd have like feet of snow outside. And well, what, are you, what are we talking about? What are we talking about over here? He says, every single thing that we did, the holidays that we followed, were not exactly in accordance with what we experienced physically outside the land. Everything was directed to the land of Israel. That when we prayed, we almost inhabited a space as if we were there. I mean, think about it. The next time you say, the same Talamat of Rach, which we just began. All of this is that our prayers transport us constantly to the land of Israel. He talks about what that creates within a person's heart. Every time that you're in dialogue with God, you're also in dialogue with the land of Israel. I mean, what an idea, right? So that's, I thought that that was an amazing turn of phrase. He obviously expresses it way better. But Rashi tells us also that this was also not just an idea that we expressed in tefillah, that this was physically manifested in our actions as well. Rashi says on the Pasuk itself, Rashi says, Kiratsu. Ratsu is from a language of Ava. It's from a language of love. 
Ava af es avaneha. We love not just the land of Israel, the idea of the land of Israel, it's stones we love as well. Ves afra, and it's dust and dirt. And there's a Medrash that tells us, right, or also known as Yoyakim, right, one of the last kings of, of, uh, of Judah before the destruction of the first temple. He was actually only, he only ruled, he only ruled for about three months before the exile. And uh, he was exiled early with another 10,000 leaders of Israel. So when Yehoniahu, Melech Yehuda, was exiled, Vigaluso, and he went along with his exilees to Bavel through, through the force of Nebuchadnezzar, and this is quite a short time before the destruction of the first temple and the first exile, the Babylonian exile, Nasu Imahem Avne Yerushalayim, they carried with them the stones of Jerusalem, they took Jerusalem stone with them. The Afra, and they took its dirt with them, Livnos Lehem Bevavel Beis and they said, we're going out into Gullis now, when we build our base Knesset, you know what the foundation stones are going to be? It's going to be those pebbles, those stones from the land of Israel. You know what's going to make up the foundation? It's going to be dirt and dust from the land of Israel. So I want to share with you, I know I do this too often, and we talked about the Holocaust in the last year, but I want to share with you a quick excerpt from my Saba's biography uh, to tell you that this is not just an idea from Yichin Yomel, Yudah, but really many, many pious Jews. Unfortunately, uh, uh, in my role as a rabbi here, so we've seen a number of times we've done funerals and people will have stored away. Uh, they'll have offer from Eretz Yisrael. They'll have dirt from the land of Israel to be put in with the first shovelfuls on the graves. That, that, that Righteous Jews knows this. Righteous Jews know whether it's going to be in uh, New Montefiore Cemetery or whether it's going to be in, 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 in any other place, in the Krakow Cemetery, we know that the dirt that we always return to, the dirt, whether or not we were zochet to in our lifetimes, that dirt is going to be the dirt of Eretz Yisrael. That's what we're going to take with us. That's what our body, that's the final thing that our bodies that are heavenly, that are earthly vessels touch. So my Saba writes the following. He talks about after the occupation of his town. He says, Soon the Gestapo, I'll read quickly. I don't want to take up too much time from Eretz Yisrael. Soon the Gestapo, the SS, and the border guards began marching us out through the gates of the ghetto in well-disciplined and organized groups after warning us not to leave the formations for any reason on the pain of being shot. Somehow it began to sink into my head that something really bad was going to happen to us. With our bundles and suitcases, we, marched, we were marched through the city, which was lined with armed soldiers and policemen with machine guns at the ready. We finally arrived at the brickyard near the main railroad station. There, the Gestapo lined us up in front of the waiting train to open doors. The Gestapo and the SS men demanded that we empty out our pockets of all valuables, diamond rings, watches, all kinds of jewelry, and especially all money and place them in front of us to be collected. We were again warned several times that if the personal searches which were to follow soon catch anyone holding back any valuables, he or she will be shot. More and more of us began tearing up the linings of our clothes where diamonds, gold coins, and dollar bills were sewn into them for safekeeping and we threw them all in piles in front of us. Then the personal searches began. Everyone was going to be frisked. Suddenly we saw a man, Mr. Winkler, being led away in front of us, made to face us, and he was shot point blank on the spot in front of everyone because he was found to be holding valuables on his person. Screams of his family and of everyone else convinced us that the very last chance to get rid of all the valuables that we hoped to be able to conceal had arrived. No one needed any more persuading. As the Gestapo men, just a little bit more, walked back and forth in front of us looking at each person they thought might still be hiding something, we were trembling with fear of being falsely accused for holding something back. That is when all of us finally realized that we were in real danger 
of losing our lives and that we were not being merely evacuated to the interior countryside of Hungary. The SS and Gestapo men began confiscating some of the baggage and bundles too. Grandmother, Samaisaba's Babi, at age 85 or so, packed the only prized possessions that she had. Her tachrichin, her burial shrouds, and a small pouch of Eretz Yisrael earth. Dirt from the Holy Land, which was traditionally put into the graves of those who were buried outside of Eretz Yisrael. She cried out in deep agony when an arrogant young SS guard snatched the small packet out of her hands and threw it on a garbage pile. They took away the talisman tefillin from Cheske Greenwald, who was standing near me, and cried in anguish as the murderers dropped kicked it. So you talk about pious Jews. What does it mean? What's the... So I think that's perish in the Pasuk. I think that that's pshat when we say, Kiratsu avadecha savaneha ves'afra yichonanu. What does it mean to be chonin? What does it mean to have a place of love for dirt? So that's what we mean. That's what we mean when we say. We talk about carrying a piece of Eretz Yisrael. We talk about carrying a little bit of Eretz Yisrael with us. Jews have been in Gullis for a very long time. We talk about carrying that with us. That's what we talk about. That's what it means to be lechonin afra. Right? To, to touch and to know that even dirt, even a pack of dirt, that has Kiddusha like a Sefer Torah. Ah, Okay. So I, I, uh, I wanted to finish off by just mentioning one thing. It's in the footnote over here. But, uh, but this is an idea that Rav Kook, and we'll be returning, I think, to Rav Kook a lot, hopefully. Rav Kook, first Ashkenazi chief rabbi of Eretz Yisrael, Meshorer, right? The person really saying the song of Eretz Yisrael with his Torah. So Rav Kook says, this might be, I thought, what Rav Kook has intention to when he writes in his Oros Atchia, in the lights of the national renaissance, the, 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 the reification of the Jewish people in the land of Israel, Sir Kook writes, HaKidusha Shebeteva, the holiness, the natural things, he kedushas Eretz Yisrael. If you're looking for holiness and natural things, it's to be found. The dogma of any, the example of any holiness to be found in any natural thing, any physical object, is found through Eretz Yisrael. Now it has a quality of Eretz Yisrael. That's why, for example, we'll say, so, so people go, for example, to Uman, for Rosh Hashanah, or people go to the graves of, they go to the Ol, of the Lababach Rebbe. Right? So these places, it's not for naught that people have pilgrimages to these sites, because these sites contain within them an essence of, le- of the land of Israel. These places, these physical places, so tzaddikim are a representation of that, these physical places contain within them an aspect. So you go, you go, to, uh, you go to the Ohel, you go visit the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So, you're, so, so I, believe, I believe you're standing, you're standing in an, on an aspect of the land of Israel. Right? That's, uh, it's not for, I, I remember I used to pick up my Rebbe every time he came to America. And uh, before, he'd be after a long flight, he wouldn't have eaten anything on the plane. And, and before anything, right? Are you exhausted? No, straight to the Ohel. Right? Straight from JFK, JFK, straight to the Ohel. That's the first place that they go. Many, many people have this custom. You come to the land of uh, Ravichamaya Morgenstern, I've mentioned him before. First place he came on his last trip, one of the major, probably I think the greatest Kabbalist alive, right? So when he came to America just a few weeks ago, first place he went was to the Ohel. So you find these places, these places that are representative, but that's not the only place. You know what else? There's a quality of Eretz Yisrael. Bateknisios and Batimidrashos, the shuls and the study halls of the Jewish people have the quality of Eretz Yisrael. And that's not me just saying this, that's from the Gemara and Megillah and Davchav Tasim and Aleph. It says that in the future, Atidim Bateknisios and Batimidrashos Shebe these shuls in Bavel that are filled with the dirt of the land of Israel, a moment, that are filled with the dirt of the land of Israel, that Yechon Yamelch Yehuda understood we have to carry this, that's going to be the foundation of our shuls in exile, of our places of worship in exile. The foundation is always Eretz Yisrael. It's because even the shuls, even these shuls, the Gemara says, 
atidin sheikavu be'aretz Yisrael, sheikvau, sorry, that they're going to eventually be reestablished in the land of Israel. That's where this idea comes from, that all shuls, all the batei medrash of the Jewish people in the eschatological age will return and will find themselves with their place in the land of Israel. So Lincoln Square Synagogue, this stunning building that we have, this magnificent edifice. So I uh, imagine, uh, imagine us not on Amsterdam Avenue, but eventually on some mountaintop, hopefully overlooking the Bik'ar, whole community will be there. Right? We'll all be able to watch those beautiful bubblegum sunsets over the Bik'ar. It's definitely my favorite place in the land of Israel. Right? So you see these purple skies overlooking Hare Adom, overlooking Jordan, and you have this sense the air is so tzach, the air is so pure. I remember we used to go ahead if I, could, I reminisced last week. I'm allowed to this week, right? We used to go ahead. So when I was in the army, I was, I, I was uh, lucky. I got to be part of something called the Chapak. So the Chapak is that more often than not, you get to drive around in a Jeep with one of the commanders. And uh, commanders like to take breaks just like anybody else. So one of the Yishuvim that were there, there was a Yishuv on Tzir, Brazil, which was, I guess, Highway 60. So on one side is Malay Michmash or Muchmus, which is, uh, which is a, a large Yishuv. And then this is Chevel bin Yamin we're talking about, a uh, portion of, uh, of Yehudah and Sharon. It's called Chevel bin Yamin. On the other side of the road is something called Mitzpedani. Mitzpedani was a smaller yishuv that was established after a person named Dani was uh, murdered, was killed by terrorists. So they established a few caravans there. Um, there was a shliach in, uh, in uh, Montreal. Many people uh, know and his name is Elion Shemesh. So he lived there. I, I got to be at his house for Shabbos. So, so I remember they would have a pinach for chayalim. They would have like a little hut set up coffee and all kinds of good things and we would go we would take our jeep and we would we knew there was the golden hour right right the golden hour so you watch as this so we take a break from our mishmar going through the towns and we come up on this hill right cigarette break coffee break and we'd watch and we'd sit we'd sit on the hood of the jeep and you'd watch and and it would be just chilly enough just chilly enough that you felt it like in uh, underneath your your vest and your fleece and the wind would be coming off and you'd see in the distance the twinkling lights of joy Jordan and Yerushalayim even down that way. So Jordan's over here, Yerushalayim is down there. You see Neve Yaakov is over here, right? Ramallah is back that way. And then you see the, there's the Anatot industrial zone, which is even closer. And then you look out and you just see Eretz Yisrael. You see what Moshe Rabbeinu never got to enter, what he only got to see, right? You see what Aaron Akoy never got to enter. And you're just there, you're like, this is, this is where the Jew is supposed to be. This is where, this is, this is where the neshama expands. And you'd watch the sunset, you'd watch as these moons would go down, and you'd see the sky would turn to just the most brilliant shades of purple and pink. And, and that's the bika. That's, that's like, you know, happy place. That's Eretz Yisrael. So that's... Um, so that's, I think, what Rav Kook means. He says the Kedusha, any holiness in Teva, is patterned after the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. V'akodesh and anything that's holy in the Gaulus, anything that's holy in exile will eventually be returned. It, it, Kedusha is attracted to Kedusha. So the holiness in the exile will return to the holiness of the land of Israel. That's the meaning of the Gemara, where it says that Atidim Batei Knesses, Batei Midrashos, that the Shuls and the Batei Medrash that are in the Gola, in the Messianic age, will return to the land of Israel. So we believe also that those Jews that are buried outside the land of Israel, so the Gemara tells us that they will also eventually make their way to the land of Israel as well. Question? And so we, we mentioned that Mekomo said, like, Kavar Mitzadikim have uh, taken on a Bechina, if you will, of Eretz Yisrael. Yeah. And the same thing about a place that's known to have cultivated tremendous Abbas Israel for, like, decades. So, so, so we did, so, very good. So we said, we said last week, we talked about, so uh, just repeat one more time. For, so, so we, said, we said places of like 
Dvarim of, of Tzadikim, like the, the Ohel, by the Rebbe, have uh, taken on a, a Bechina of Eretz Yisrael, attributed to it. So I was asking, could we say the same thing about a place that's cultivated um, Avas Yisrael? A place of love of Israel. So, so it's, actually, it's actually what you're tapping into when we talked about last week, this expansive quality, the living quality of Eretz Yisrael, is that we know that there's Kedusha and Tara, we have to keep the mitzvos, we have to conduct ourselves in purity in the land of Israel, otherwise we run the risk of losing it. There's a fast track to losing Eretz Yisrael. What's the fast track to losing Eretz Yisrael? The Gemara tells us. We can be shofchedamim, right? We can, we, can, we can be involved in all kinds of, of dastardly deeds, right? But the thing that's the fast track to being kicked out of the land of Israel is what? Sinaschinam, is baseless hatred, is when the Jewish people find themselves uh, with, with meaningless pirud, with meaningless separations and, and hatred to one another. So if that's true, if that's something that, that gets us quickly out of the land, and our return to land is predicated also upon, the, upon uh, a return to achdos, a return to Jewish people loving each other because of the fundamental basic qualities that, that unite us far more than they divide us, so one might say, by extension, one might say, and, and I want to correct something, you say, not a bechina, actually, right? Not a bechina, not just an aspect of Eretz Yisrael, like actual Eretz Yisrael, perhaps. Right? So, so, when, so when we talk about that, maybe perhaps places that you find great achdus, places of great love between Jews for one another, so those places also, perhaps, maybe I'll be a little softer here, they, can, they could obtain a quality of Eretz Yisrael as well. And you have to think of places where this, uh, where this may have occurred. I mean, what are, what are places um, where there's love between Jewish people? I don't know. Well, in synagogues, but they're supposed to be places like that. Or... What's that? Kem Has, Kem Simcha, right? So you remind me, when I was in Kem Simcha a long time, Kem Simcha, everybody knows, Kem Simcha is a summer camp for, uh, for children uh, suffering from cancer. So I got to, to spend a number of summers there. The first summer I was at Kem Simcha, first summer I was there, you remind me, first summer I was at Kem Simcha uh, was the summer after a major fire. The lunchroom had burnt down the previous summer and the Opsfeld Pavilion was built uh, the following summer. Over the year, it was built this stunning edifice. You know, game rooms and lunch rooms and dorm rooms and a uh, hotel for people to come on Shabbos. That was the, the epicenter of Kemsev. It was rebuilt during the summer. So that summer, I still have my T-shirt. Uh, that summer, so we had a Hanukkah Sabayis, right? So we're in the holiday of Hanukkah. I wanted to say something about Hanukkah in the beginning. I guess there's plenty of other people saying important stuff, and we'll talk about Eretz Yisrael. Uh, but Hanukkah Sabayis, the rededication of that massive building in Kem Simcha, so the rededication of that building, uh, so many of the great rabbinic luminaries in America came. I believe the Bab of Rebbe came. The Bab of Rebbe came, and the Bab of Rebbe, I, I got shalom from him. I, took my, uh, I was a waiter at the time, but I took like, one of the campers that I was rotating for. So we got brachas from the Bab of Rebbe. And, um, and I remember what he said in front of the whole camp, this place is Eretz Yisrael. And uh, you referenced Camp Hask as well. Camp Hask also a place of tremendous love, a place of tremendous chesed, an outpouring of, of, of good deeds, an outpouring of people doing things for one another, so that obtains the quality of Eretz Yisrael, for sure, for sure. And I'm sure that there's many tzaddikim who have visited Camp Hask as well who have made the same statement uh, to their part. I guess the tzaddikim know what they're talking about. So that's... It's not a clapper. I don't know why that happened. Okay, there we go. All right. Anyways, let's continue. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a beautiful idea. Let's continue. So what's another praise of the land of Israel? So this one we might be more familiar with. We call it 
a land flowing with milk and honey. I was singing to my eighth graders today, uh, and I said, you know, it's a shame that you guys, you guys, I said, I was singing, Eretz Zavat Chalav. I believe that's Pimenta, right? I believe it's, I said, do you guys know it's not Pimenta? Decades before So I guess they, okay, they doubly didn't know what I was talking about. I'm like, you guys don't know yes. So you know the song though, right? Who sang it then? Who sang it? It was a folk song. I got to ask the Chaz. All right, Shabbos, I'm asking Chaz. But we call the land of Israel land flowing with milk and honey. So what exactly does this mean? Right? What's the, what's the pshat? What does that even mean, flowing with milk and honey? 